Well, it is good to be with you and welcome you into worship at Providence Church. My name's Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. And I hope that wherever you are, wherever you might be watching this, whether it be a Sunday morning or later on in the week, that you can uh, experience a bit of the presence of the Lord, that God uh, would come and, and meet you right where, you right where you're at right now. That, that's my hope and prayer. Actually, what we were just singing is, is my hope and prayer, is that we, could, that we could experience the goodness of God and become more aware that wherever we may be, uh, God is meeting with us in that place. I, I don't know if this last year has been like this for you or not, but this last year for me has been sort of uh, one after another times being canceled or changed or postponed. <laughs> As, have you experienced that? Like just, just like everything you've looked forward to has just shifted a bit, uh, canceled, changed, post postponed. That's sort of like what my, as I look back on the last year or so, if I go back a year from now, we were, had just kind of uh, shut down our Sunday morning services. The pandemic had just hit. And I remember having this thought, I was like, this might last until May. And, and boy, was I wrong. You know, it was not just a few weeks that were going to be canceled and changed, but like this whole uh, experience of a season of things being uh, canceled. So for me this last year, like I had my 40th birthday and Rachel and I had this trip planned. It was canceled. Uh, my daughter, Lydia, she's this great volleyball player. Some of her biggest tournaments were canceled. My oldest daughter's 17, so she's like in that, that, that great time towards the end of her high school year where those pinnacle moments that I can remember, those special things, and almost every one of those for her has been canceled. My grandfather turned 90 just a couple of months ago, and we were so looking forward to his 90th birthday, and his 90th birthday for us, for me, was getting... Uh, uh, a text message of a video of his caretakers in the nursing home singing him happy birthday, which was super cool, but we couldn't be there, which is not how I pictured it. And so my guess is that you've had a lot of things too that have been sort of, this is not how I pictured it, <laughs> canceled moments. And I've been thinking about how this particular time, this particular era for us, like people actually might look back on this time in our history as a nation and, and call us the, the, the time of the cancel culture. And I, I wonder if that is something to do with like that we're just so frustrated and, and numb and confused by all these cancellations in our lives that now we're just canceling people. <laughs> like, I'm just done with them. Instead of being able to delve into complex issues and, and sort of deal with stuff, you know, the, the frustration and the numbness, it just makes us say, I'm done, blocked, you know, canceled, um, I'm, I'm moving on. I want to tell you uh, something that is sort of like behind the scenes at Providence, which is not all that great, and you probably don't care, but I wanted to tell you that actually a few weeks ago, um, I was preparing for this series that would start today. So we do teaching series here at Providence or sermon series that start, we kind of follow a theme uh, for, for a while. And, and I had been planning that and planning that, but in the midst of that, you know, we've been going through this season where things have been canceled, and it, it's sort of... Um, well, I'll tell you what, what I've been feeling and, and what I've, I've been experiencing in the midst of all of this stuff being pulled away, I have been sensing God at work. And that may be hard for you to feel right now, but just hang with me. Like, I have sensed God working in me, sensed God working in you, sensed God working in the church. Like, in this time when things have been pulled away, I'm wondering if some of that is actually the work of God doing something in our lives. 
it's almost felt like things in us have been crucified. If you've ever heard of Jesus' crucifixion, that was his execution on a cross. And, and Jesus was crucified, but then he tells us, you're going to have to carry a cross, and I'm going to have to carry a cross. We read in the scriptures, Paul saying, I have been crucified with Christ, and so he no longer lives in, uh, or, or I no longer live, but he lives in me. And so I've been wondering, what if what's going on right now, what if all this cancellation has a purpose? What if some of the cancellations are preparing us for something that God wants to do? I don't know. So a few weeks ago, I'm preparing for this sermon series, and I had this strong sense that God was asking me to cancel it, which is not what I want to do. So these teaching series, you know, we plan them way far in advance. We've thought about them for months. We've been working on them. Our team has worked on it. We've prepared for it. Uh, this particular series that we were going to start today, we already had the design uh, approved and ready that we were going to send out. We had 20,000 uh, designed for 20,000 postcards that we were going to be sending out to the community. And I was walking around on a Saturday a few weeks ago. I shouldn't even been thinking about the next series. And I just actually felt like God told me, cancel it. And I was like, well, we planned this in October. <laughs> I, was, I, I wasn't sure if God knew the design had already been, <laughs> been approved, you know. <laughs> I really did. And that's going to sound crazy to some of you. Um, I really felt God said something to me, and that was to cancel the series. And I know that sounds crazy, but you, most of you have heard us talk and heard me talk here, and so if I talk all the time about a God who speaks, then isn't it possible that he could speak to me? And so I'm trying to listen. Whether I get it right or not, I'm trying to, to listen. And so I went and talked to some other pastors here at the church and some on the team, and I was sort of, you know, bashful about it. I was like, hey, I actually think that maybe we're supposed to be, uh, cancel that, that next series, and every one of them said, yep, yeah, we are. I felt so intently that we actually decided to cancel the next two series, <laughs> just to make sure that we're listening to God. And, and, you know, I know some of that, me talking about my plans sounds silly, but my plans are important to me. <laughs> and to have them taken away, like, why would I do that? Well, here's why. I desperately want to do what God wants me to do. I'm 40. I'm tired of making feeble plans that don't amount to a hill of beans. Like, I read about the movement of the Spirit in this book, and I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of what, what God is doing, not planning out a good, safe church for you and your family to be a part of, but open to the Spirit in such a way that we'd say, okay, we're all in. We'll, we'll cancel all our plans. We'll, we'll allow some things to die in us, to be crucified, God. If that means if you're pulling those things away, if there's purpose in that, then we are, we are up for it. And God told me, <laughs> I think it's the last time I'm going to say that, because um, God told me what we're supposed to do in this season. Ready? Pray. Pray. I feel that God's calling us to prayer in this season in such a way that as the movement of God happens and we are anticipating and we experience and see miracles and healing and power like we've never experienced before and, and new joy and restoration and 41-year-old birthday parties that were better than anything we've ever experienced and all these good things. And we experience a movement of God in our church and a movement of God in our community and a movement of God in our nation. And, and these things happen. And we, and we tell the people months from now, or maybe it's years from now, or maybe it's generations from now, and they say, well, what, what did you guys do? What was the plan? How did that happen? What was your sermon series during that time? And we'll say, we canceled it. 
We prayed, we prayed, and we prayed. It was so cool. Last weekend, thousands of people joined us out in our parking lot or online. Maybe you were one of our online worshipers. So crazy. But our small gathering here in Mount Juliet didn't compare to actually what we know was billions of people across the world worshiping Jesus who was resurrected from the grave. It's the day of all days for those who follow Christ, Easter Sunday. And we had our celebration. And I came out of last Sunday wondering what happened? What did the disciples do? These first followers of Jesus, what did they do that would lead to 2,000 years later, billions of people, rich people and poor people, all kinds of people, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, what would lead them to, uh, to, 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 to step out and actually give their lives so all of us could know about this? Like, what I'm saying is, how did it go from a dozen or so followers to all of this now? And so I went back and I I looked in our story at what the disciples did post-resurrection. Hang with me for a second. This may seem boring for a moment, but I think it's important. Um, I first looked at what the followers of Jesus were doing after the resurrection, but before they heard about it. So there was some moment, some hours, some days where Jesus was resurrected from the grave, but not all the people that followed him knew about it. The reason I'm telling you that is because that's the kind of moment we're in right now where Jesus is actually risen from the grave, but a bunch of people don't know it and a bunch of people aren't acting like it. A bunch of us are just kind of doing our thing. So what were the people doing post-resurrection, but before they saw Jesus? Like what were they doing in their cancel culture? And if you don't think they lived in a cancel culture, their teacher was saying things that were so antithetical to the government and to religion and to the powers to be that they canceled him on a cross. So what did Jesus' disciples do? What were they doing? How were they behaving? So again, this is post-resurrection before they heard about it. Um, this may not be exhaustive, but I did my best to try, to try to look at it. And here's what they were doing. They were grieving. They were crying. Multiple instances of them grieving and crying. There's at least two times where it says they were out for walks together talking about Jesus being killed. You know, there's, let's go for a walk and what else are they gonna talk about? Uh, it says they were eating together. They were definitely hiding. They were doubting. And there's at least one instance where they were fishing. So hang with me. This is what they were doing. It was sort of, we're just kind of carrying on with life. They were tired. They were numb. They were frustrated. That's what a cancel culture does to you. But they are still grieving their crime, but they're, you know, taking walks. They're doubting together. Anybody want to go fishing? Nobody. Okay, I'll go with myself. You know, this is, this is what they were doing. Now I want to tell you what they did post-resurrection and then after they heard the news. So that's, that's a significant change. Jesus is resurrected, and now they know about it. And I think these can fit into four categories pretty neatly. Ready? Here's what they did. At first, they worshiped him. That's the most common thing. When they encountered the risen Christ, the one they saw die on the cross, they worshiped him. They fell on their feet. They, they praised him they, because they knew that he was God. No one else could be risen from the grave. The second thing they did, at least two occasions, it says they doubted. Isn't that interesting? More than once, it says they doubted after Jesus was resurrected and after they heard the news, they still struggled with it. They still struggled with it because they saw him die and no one had ever been risen from the grave like that. The third thing they did is they told other people. That's why I'm telling you about it. It's because people told people who told people. But in their instance, it wasn't them telling the whole world. They were just telling the other people who knew Jesus. You won't believe this. He's risen. We went to the tomb. He's not there. There was an angel there. Those types of stories. And then the fourth thing is, is they continued to hide out. They still lived in this cancel culture that canceled Jesus to the cross. So it was not uh, a silly assumption to think that as as Jesus' known followers, that 
they might be canceled themselves. So they're hiding out behind locked doors. All of those references come from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tell us the stories of Jesus. What I want to read to you a little bit more of, Jenny opened our worship service with it, is the book of Acts. So the book of Acts is where we begin to learn what Jesus' followers did after Jesus goes back to heaven. And Acts is actually written by Luke, who wrote the, the, the gospel of Luke. Here's what Jesus says to his disciples before he goes back to heaven. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I want you to go there and wait. And then in verse eight, he says, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus was with the disciples for about 40 days. And he says all these things, these things that I just read to you. And then he is lifted off of the ground. Uh, He, this is called the ascension because he ascends up to heaven. And now what we have is not the resurrected Jesus walking around on earth and everybody's like, whew, there is our Lord. You just have the gang. You just have those folks who are now waiting on a promise. Jesus ascends to heaven from a place called the Mount of Olives, which is uh, not quite a tall mountain, but outside of Jerusalem, a really large hill. And if you're standing on the Mount of Olives, you're looking down right into the temple court. So it's really close to Jerusalem. And so after Jesus ascends, the disciples walk back to Jerusalem, which is a short walk, maybe only uh, less than a mile to get from that place to place. In Acts chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. It goes on to say, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. So they had a room (laughs) that they were renting or whatever, where they were hanging out. And then it tells us that those present, listen, were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. It says that they all joined together, verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So Jesus told them to go and wait. They go to that room, and then there is a roll call, right? Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas, but not the Judas who betrayed Jesus, a different Judas. That's 11. And it says, the women. So remember, Luke's writing this. This is the exact phrase he gives to the women who went to the tomb on Easter morning. So we know their names, Mary, Mary, Salome. But it also tells us, get this, that Jesus' mother Mary was there. And Jesus' brothers, most likely uh, one of Jesus' brothers named James, who becomes the key leader of the early church, was in that. So I'm saying all that to say that's who was there, 15, 16, 17 people, right? All right, thanks for hanging with me through that. What were they doing? <laughs> this is really important. If we know what they did post-resurrection but before they knew Jesus, and if we know what they did after they saw him, what did they do post-resurrection after Jesus told them what they were going to do with their whole lives, which was be witnesses to his resurrection, to the ends of the earth, and now there's 17 of them, but somehow today there's 2.4 billion people who profess the name of Jesus Christ as Lord. Like, what did they do? 
We're talking about the women who saw the stone rolled away and an angel sitting in an empty tomb. We're talking about Mary who heard her name from the supposed gardener, but it was really Jesus. We're talking about Thomas who got to put his hands on the side of Jesus after he was resurrected to prove to his doubting heart that he was who he was. We're talking about Peter who swam to Jesus and met him on the shore. We're talking about Jesus' mom, for crying out loud, who stood by the cross after carrying him as a baby and watching him grow up, knowing all along that he would be the new king. She watched him die, and then she stood with him after he was resurrected. These were the ones who spread the news to the corners of the world. What were they doing after Easter? Acts chapter 1, verse 14 tells us they prayed. That's what they did. They prayed. Oh, my gosh. I have thought about so many things for us to do. I have planned so many sermon series in my day. We thought about how to take care of each other through this year. What are we supposed to do right now? I think it's this. We're supposed to pray. I believe that the best gift that we can give each other right now is to pray. I believe the best gift that we can give to our families right now is to pray. Mom, you're wondering what you're supposed to do for your son. Pray for him. It's the best gift you can give him. Dad, you're like, what am I supposed to do with my daughter? You're supposed to pray for her. Grandpas, wake up. You're supposed to be praying for your grandsons. They will not give a flip what you think about politics when they're old. But if you pray for them, there could be a movement in their hearts. There could be a movement in your, in your family. The best gift that we can give to this community is to pray for it. The best gift that you can give to the nation right now is to pray for it. I really believe the best gift we can give to the world right now is to pray, and I'm learning alongside of you because what the first 15, 16, 17, who ended up, by the way, all giving their lives for Jesus, what they did is they prayed. And I confess, and next week we're gonna talk about repentance and confession because actually there's never a movement of God if the people of God don't repent and they don't confess. So I'll start. I confess to you that I have not had prayer as a high enough priority in this church for the last 13 years. And I'm not telling you that to have a pity party or for us to feel sad or anything like that. I'm not sad. I feel like God is giving us a gift right now to show us what we're supposed to do right now. God is telling us, I think, that the next steps we're supposed to take as a church is to pray together. So you can see Acts chapter one, verse 14, it says they all join together constantly in prayer. There's a lot of different ways this is translated because uh, the, the book Acts written by Luke was written in the Greek language. And so everything we read in the English language is somebody else who knows Greek translated into English. So you'll, you'll hear different versions that say this verse like this. They were all in one accord in prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who has a great paraphrase of the scriptures, but who was a Greek scholar, he translated it like this. I love this. He said, they agreed they were in this for good, completely together in prayer. So I don't normally do this, but I, I did take some time to look at what the actual Greek words were in this sentence. So we know the, the word praying, but how are they praying? There's two words before it, and the first is a word that uh, means continually. So they were praying uh, continuously. Uh, they didn't just pray one time. They, they began to find a rhythm for their lives as the believers that they would pray. So that was, that was one of, of the words. They prayed continuously. 
And then the other word is a word that has something to do with being in agreement. That's where they, that word about being of one accord. So they prayed continuously. Uh, most literally, it probably means that they prayed with a purpose and they all agreed upon the purpose. And so the purpose that Jesus had given them would be to witness to him all across the world. So before they did anything, they were obedient to Jesus who said, wait for this Holy Spirit to come. But they prayed together continually in a rhythm together in a way that was upon an agreement. They were saying, we want what Jesus said to happen to happen in and through us. And that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna pray like my translation, uh, which I'm not a Greek scholar, my translation of that sentence is, and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed continuously together with a purpose in mind. And I think that we actually see the purpose of the early church's prayers. As we journey through this season together, we're gonna walk through over the next couple of months and actually see what the prayers of the early believers meant, what the purpose was behind them. We're gonna talk about the purpose of prayer, and, and, and I have four things that God has shown me. I'm sure there's way more, but, but consistently, these were four purposes that we are gonna begin to pray in uh, agreement together on. The first is this, power for believers. Jesus said, I'm gonna send the Spirit, wait for it, pray for it, and when it comes, it's gonna be power. So we have access, believers in Jesus, to a certain power through the Holy Spirit that comes to us through prayer. The second thing is healing, healing of our bodies, healing of our hearts, and healing of our minds. We are going to pray boldly together for healing, physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing. Jesus, when he went as about his ministry during his three years, he was always healing people in these three ways, physically, emotionally, and uh, spiritually. The, The third thing is that we're gonna see the purpose of prayer for the believers is to dispel lies, that there are things that we're believing. There are stories that you are telling yourself. There are things that you heard a long time ago that are not true, and they are not gonna be broken down in your life. They're not gonna be taken away until we pray. One of the purposes of prayer, uh, if you remember some of the work we've done, this is how I fight my battles, the spiritual warfare. Remember, though, the way that that's done is by praying together on all occasions in all kinds of languages, just however you can do it, and that's what we are gonna do. And then clearly, one of the purposes of prayer for the church is the salvation of souls so that people would come to know Jesus as their Lord. Again, I'm sure there's a ton more, but this prayer for them became a rhythm. You may have heard this uh, story one time. I told it a few weeks ago. (laughs) Don't expect you to remember. Where Jesus goes into the temple and he turns over the tables. And people love this story. I mean, we love this story because we're like, yes, Jesus had a temper, which means I can have a temper too. Like, we get so fixated. We love that Jesus came in the temple and he had this whip and he turned over the tables. We're like, yeah, Jesus was, was mad and I get mad. And so me and Jesus, we're, we're, we're just the same, right? Well, I gotta tell you that that story is not about Jesus' temper. It's that Jesus came into the temple and he saw that the house of God the place where the believers gathered had become so full of distractions that they had forgotten their real, true purpose. And Jesus said in his uh, turning over the tables, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. He called them back to remember what they were supposed to be doing, which is not uh, putting together all these plans to make uh, you know, worship and religion great for them. It's to connect with the heart of God, and that's done through prayer. To access the power, to access the healing has to be done that way. This makes me so excited 
Because as we are opening back up as a church, more people are coming in person. So many of you are joining us online. You know, there's, there's, um, you know, there's so many ways that we're looking to welcome people back. And there's so many things that I can get fixated on, you know, like when do we not wear masks and how do people feel about this and how do people feel about that? Well, I wanna tell you that I'm committing myself that when you come back here, that you will come back to a house of prayer. We'll figure the rest of the stuff out together. If we love each other, we'll figure that out. But God is calling us to make this a house of prayer for all people, for all nations. So my hope is that when you come back to this place, you'll be like, there's power here. My hope is that after a year where so much has been canceled, as we start coming back together and you encounter this place, there'll be healing here and the healing will be happening because of God's spirit and because we prayed. I'm I'm praying people come in here and lies that they've heard for a whole year uh, will be dispelled because of the prayers that filled this place, filled your home. I'm praying that people will be saved. I'm praying that we'll see um, so many people saved that, that we'll be struggling to figure out how to baptize them all. So here's a few things that we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna start a Monday night prayer meeting. Tomorrow night, if you're watching this on Sunday, <laughs> every Monday, 6.30 p.m., Monday night prayer here at the campus in Mount Juliet at Providence Church. We don't even have a great plan for it, but what, what you can expect when you come here is to pray, and so if you need power, you should come. If you need healing, you should come. If you need some lies dispelled, you should come. If you need to be saved, you should come. In fact, I'm asking you while we're still like in this worship moment to get out your phone and put it on your calendar for, tomorrow, for Monday night, 6.30, and just say, I'm going to pray. I'm gonna go pray with the church, and that will become a place that we'll begin to, to pray together in a rhythm continuously like that. The second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna pray over homes. Um, we're just gonna go to people's homes uh, and pray over them, maybe from the sidewalk or the front porch. And so uh, what you can do is actually go to prob.church slash sign up. Like we really wanna come pray for your, for your house because there's stuff been going on in our house. That's your house of prayer, okay? And so you go there, you sign up, you put your address in, you sign up for an afternoon on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, there's a place where if you want to, you can tell us sort of what's going on in your life. And there'll be people who will come and pray over your house. We'll just, we'll just stand out there, pray over your house. We'll pray with you. And we just want to see in the neighborhoods, um, people beginning to pray, us beginning to pray, just a, a, a rhythm of prayer. If you're an online worshiper, you know, that Monday night thing, just 6.30 p.m. Central, wherever you are, join us in prayer. Join us in agreement. Uh, if you're in this, uh, outside of this area and you want your home prayed over, go, go sign up there. You'll see a way that we are going to contact you and pray for you. Prayer can happen all over the place. One last thing that I want to invite you into, and this is about that rhythm of prayer, and we're going to call it first word, last word. I didn't make this up. There's some other great pastors and leaders I've, I've heard about this from. But what first word, last word is about is about the first word that you take in every morning being the word of God and the last word you take in being the word of God. And so this is a prayer exercise, but it's also with the Bible. And so I want you to get a Bible, not the one on your phone. That's the one I usually use too, but, but I want you to get a, a book Bible with pages. And if you don't have one, we have one. Contact me, I will get you a Bible. And I want you to take the Bible and open it up and put it right next to where you sleep, like your bedside table or, or you know, whatever is right there. Don't close it, because like a closed Bible is easy to, to ignore, okay? But if you open it, it'll remind you, it'll, it'll, it'll call to you. And if you're like, well, what do I read? Here's what I want you to read. Go to the book of Acts, what we've been talking about today. You can find it, 
towards the back, the book of Acts, and just start reading. You don't have to read a ton of it. Just when you wake up, read until you kind of come to a sentence or a word that means something to you. Take that word. Let that be the first word you take into your day in prayer. And then at night, uh, do the same thing. You might just read a sentence or two. You'll come to a place and you read and you take that in. You know, we, we put so much in our minds before we go to bed, so much garbage, you know. Let's let the last word be the word of God and we'll take that into our sleep. Let's see if that helps us sleep, you know. I hear from so many people like, I'm having trouble sleeping. Let's see what happens if the first word and the last word. And that'll be a, a way of praying the scriptures, which is the word of God. I'm gonna pray for us now. And this is a simple prayer. This is our starting place, Okay. And this is just a prayer for you and for me to say, God, I, I want to go all in. I want to go wherever you want me to go. So many things have been canceled and pulled away. So thank you, God. Thank you for pulling those things away. Um, now I'm giving myself to you in prayer. This is just where we're starting. So where we're starting is saying to God, we will go wherever you want us to go. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for teaching us we thank you for those first 15, 16, 17 followers. And then as we read the story, we're amazed that, um, that we're reminded of ourselves when we hear about them, that we could be the ones that wait for your spirit. So let us do that in these moments, God, just to wait together and to say to you as we pray together and begin in a rhythm of prayer uh, that we'll go wherever you want us to go. God, we pray for Monday night, starting in this uh, rhythm of our church, that Monday night will become a holy time. That for this season, Monday night would be a time that we join together in this room, or if we can't be here, uh, in another place. And we just spend time with you. We turn our hearts to you. We pray, God, that you'd work supernaturally as we pray over homes, and that kids who are struggling, and teenagers who are struggling, and adults who are struggling, that we um, would begin to find power and meaning and healing through the prayers of your people. We know that there's never a movement of God when the people of God don't humble themselves and pray. I know, God, that I'll at, one point, at some point want to manipulate this, change things, plan things. Keep us calm. Uh, keep us centered. Keep us steady. Just look into you. Um, we're not asking uh, for any results. We're just leaving that to you. We're, we're just wanting to come close to you because we love you. And help us, Jesus, uh, to fix our eyes on you as we take your word in in the morning and at night to kind of keep you out in front and let, uh, to let you be the thing that guides us and, and moves us through our lives. I want to pray for that person right now who I sense uh, is, is in real need of healing. There's been a war uh, raging in their mind, in their heart. And we begin to pray, God, that you would work healing in us, emotional and spiritual healing as we've been walking through this difficult year. Pray for those who are experiencing um, physical ailments, illnesses, disease. We pray for healing in the name of Jesus. God, would you pour out a fresh wind of your Holy Spirit on us? We're waiting. Would you do with us like what you did with the early church, that, that we waited and we turned our hearts to you and then you did something that we didn't expect and it was so good <laughs> that it led us to be a part of telling the whole world about Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit.
Come, Holy Spirit, we pray.